You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, well, good evening, everybody. It's good to be back. Two weeks in a row feels pretty exciting for me. Um, Tonight, we are going to look at the disobedience and the nation of Israel. One man's choices affected the entire nation, which is a picture of a sin in our own lives affecting the church. So tonight we're going to look at a little bit more of a personal, introspective topic, secret sin. The disobedience in Joshua chapter 7, if you would turn there. Moses described the promised land as a land of hills and valleys in Deuteronomy 11, verse 11. That statement, I believe, is much much more than a description of the contrast between the hilly landscape of Canaan that that Israel was now entering and the flat, monotonous land of Egypt that they came from. It's also a description of the geography of the life of faith that is pictured by Israel's experiences in Canaan. We all know just based on our own experience it's not always mountaintop experiences, and thank goodness, and thank the Lord, it's not always valleys either, right. but it is continuously moving. We are sometimes in the valley, and sometimes we're on the hill. As by faith we claim our inheritance in Christ, we experience peaks of victory and valleys of discouragement. Discouragement isn't inevitable in the Christian life, but we must remember that we can't have mountains without valleys, otherwise it would just be a flat plain. The ominous word, but, that introduces Joshua 7 is a signal that things are going to change. For Joshua is about to descend from the mountaintop of victory at Jericho to the valley of defeat in the city of Ai. A lot of people know the city Jericho. They know the story of walking around and the trumpets and the, and the shouts and all that victory that happened there and the scarlet thread from the window. But more, people don't, more often people don't know the story of Ai and what happened there. Joshua, we know, is a gifted and experienced leader, but he was still human, therefore liable to error. No matter what our positions are, whether it's a church leadership position or a home leadership position or a job leadership position, we are human, even as Christians, we have the opportunity to fail. And we have to make choices that are based on what God says and not our own. In this experience, Joshua teaches us what causes defeat and how we must handle the discouragement of life because it's going to happen. So please stand with me as we read just verse 1. I will not read the entire chapter for the sake of some of your knees, mine included. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to be tender to your nudging, Lord, to your inspection of our heart. I pray that you look deep inside us and you reveal to us what it is that we may be clinging on to or may be hiding. Lord, there are secret sins in our lives that maybe we don't even know exist, but we want to take care of them, Lord. We want to draw close to you. We want to be victorious in you, and Lord, we need to get rid of the sin in our life in order to do so. So I pray tonight that this is an opportunity for us to come to you, to draw close to you and seek your forgiveness. Help us to be tender to that, Lord. Speak through me tonight. 
Help us to understand the importance of this story in order to be victorious, to claim the promises that you've intended for us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So right away we see the word but, and that obviously indicates that after this victory, something's about to change, something's about to happen. The first thing we see is defeat. God had made it clear that the spoils of Jericho were to be devoted or dedicated to him and placed in his treasury. He said in the previous chapter, Joshua 6, verse 18 and 19, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. They're very specific things that were dedicated to God, and everything outside of that was to be burned. The city was seen as sin for God, and he did not want any of it to be used for anything other than either dedicated to him, listed out specifically, or burned. But I imagine Achan, when they had just finished climbing these rubblish walls and walking into Jericho, and getting rid of the things they were supposed to get rid of and grabbing the things that they were supposed to give to God, he saw things he wanted. Now, in our lives, we have victories. We feel confident again. We feel peace. We feel excited about where we're at now because of something that God just did, only to turn around and something catches our eye that Satan wants to stumble or bring us to stumble across in order to doubt God again or have something that we desire over what God has just given us to see if we'll fall. I imagine that Achan saw these things and decided, I, I deserve this, or I want this, or why can't I have that? There's nothing wrong with it. I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't look bad. He probably went out under the cover of night while nobody was watching. How many people can say that something like that has happened in their life? You know, You've gone and done something secretly. You've gone and taken something you shouldn't have, moved past that temptation and acted upon it when sin enters right there. See, temptation is just a test. Jesus was tempted, but he didn't act on it. Achan had disobeyed this law. I imagine if he had been lying in bed that night, he couldn't sleep either. Or maybe he was numb to that and slept right through it. I think some of us can relate to that as well. Verse 1 and in the next chapter, verse, or chapter 7, But the children of Israel committed a trespassing in the accursed thing. It starts off by saying Israel is at fault. Yeah. Achan made this decision in secret. Now Israel is going to suffer for it. Yeah. Israel is a picture of the church. It is us, every single one of us. When one of us makes a decision, it affects every single one of us in this church. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. It's possible that Joshua, the next day, was too hasty in his attack on the city of Ai and did not wait for the Lord's direction. I think it's pretty obvious, based on how things turned out, that that's probably what happened. Furthermore, he acted upon the suggestions of the spies rather than on God's word. If we know the story of why they ended up wandering in the wilderness in the first place, it's because they listened to what the spies said. 
the ten other spies, Joshua was one that fought for what God said. But he listened to what they said. Look in verse 2. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, and which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Huge contrast between what happened at the city of Jericho when they trembled because of Israel's presence, knowing God was with them. Now God's people are fleeing before the heathen nation of Ai. God rejected this plan because of the secret sin. He rejected the plan given by the spies because in verse 7, they said, let not all the people go up, only about two or 3,000. They had this confidence now, this pride that built up. I don't think this would have entered if it wasn't for Achan's choice. But because of his choice, now Israel has this self-confidence, this self-ability, this self-worth. They just came from victory. Now they feel like they had something to do with it. They go and they spy out and they think there's, they don't have any strength. We'll just send a small portion of our group, two or 3,000 men, go up and we'll slay them. There's nothing, nobody there, only to go up and find out the opposite of that and lose. In chapter 8, a whole other picture is given when God does bless what's about to happen. Because in that chapter, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. There's a huge difference between when God says, I will be with you, and you will be victorious, and when we forget to go to God in the first place. When God gives us victory, we need to keep going to him, not forget what he did. There's a hint of overconfidence in these verses. Jericho had fallen to Israel, and they were confident that the smaller city of Ai would be a pushover. Self-confidence, dependence on human wisdom, impatience, lack of prayer, and a secret sin is what caused Israel's defeat. That can happen to our church. We, I think, are a blessed church here. I'm thankful for this church. We're all thankful for this church. But a secret sin can destroy all of it Amen. if we're not careful. Israel saw defeat, but the next thing they saw was discouragement. The hearts of the Jews melted in verse 5 instead of the hearts of the enemy melting. See, if, if Achan in the middle of the night let the conviction of the Lord move in him and ran to Joshua's tent and said, look what I've done. I know I shouldn't have done this. God said not to do this. I'm sorry. Here's everything. I hid it in my tent. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I'm sure things would have changed. You see, if he acted on that conviction he had that night, they would have been victorious. But instead, the hearts of the enemy didn't melt. They melted 
because there was a secret sin in the town. Verse 5, And the men of Ai smote them, about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Complete opposite to what happened in Joshua chapter 2. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. This is Jericho describing what they had witnessed. Joshua and his leaders spent the entire day in prayer before the ark, and even Joshua, we're about to see, wanted to back up and settle for an inheritance on the other side of Jordan instead of where they were in the promised land because of the fact that they just lost. He thought, we might as well just go back (laughs) because it was better than this. Look at verse 6 and 8, or through 8. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? Why did you bring us here to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. But I think the verse 8 is very interesting picture here. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? Note that Joshua here was more concerned about the glory of the Lord than the testimony of Israel before the heathen nations, or more about the Lord and the testimony than he was about the discouragement of the defeat. He didn't care so much about that. He didn't understand it. But what he didn't want to have happen is the fact that the Lord was now tainted. The heathen nation, probably in their minds, were thinking, "This this is the nation of God. And then all of a sudden they're fleeing and they won over God's people. Now they're probably thinking, what power does your God have then? Everything you just said, everything that you, you stand for is nothing compared to our gods. Now they're giving way to this, this heathen nation or the sin. Verse 9, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou Unto thy great, what will thou do unto thy great name? What are you going to do about this, Lord? We cannot let this stand. I'm thankful Israel had a leader that was willing to lead the people, that stuck with God and cared about what God thought and what people thought about God. I'm thankful we have a pastor like that here. This is a, a character in the Bible I strive to be like because this describes my position in the new church I'm in. I want to seek God over anything. The last thing I want to do as a leader is let a secret sin enter. It's a mark of a true spiritual leader and true spirituality when God's glory is what motivates a servant's life. When that's all that's important, man, everything else kind of fades away. They saw defeat. They had discouragement from the loss. But this is probably the most frightening thing is the discovery of the sin. This is the last thing a sinner wants is to be found out. Look at verse 10. God spoke sternly to his servant, Joshua. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. He didn't say Achan sinned right here. No, he said all of Israel sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. 
One thing I'm thankful for is God is consistent. And because of that, I know that that's how he feels about secret sin now. This is not a story of the past. This is a picture of, of a secret sin in our life and the effect it will have and how God views the church itself, not just the individual. As a, as a family, we need to be lifting each other up and helping each other through it, maybe sternly correcting somebody when necessary in order for the entire nation and for God's glory. He said, get up, Israel has sinned. Of course, only one man had sinned, and we know this because of verse 1. The children of Israel committed as trespassing the accursed thing for Achan of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. We don't think about that when we sin. We don't think of the impact that has on the rest of the church. That should convict us. Yes, one man sinned, but this involved the entire nation. I want you to look at this. Maybe turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. We think we're individuals in this church, but we are part of one body. Everything we do impacts this church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's on the screen as well if you don't have a Bible with you. For as the body is one... And hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. In other words, God has put every single one of us in the position we are in for a reason. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Now, but now, are they many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. In other words, the weak even are necessary in our body, in our church. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncommonly parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which is lacked. In other words, when our weakest members are hurting and, and in pain and sinning or lost, that's when we need to be lifting them up and giving them encouragement and giving them blessing and praise and praying for them. Because Satan wants to enter this body and infect it and cause us to separate and think that we don't need to be a part of it anymore, but we do. Verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, no division, but that the members should have the same care for one another, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. In other words, when one member suffers, we need to care for that person. When one person is lifted up, we need to praise the fact that they're lifted up, not be envious of it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after, the, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, help, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? 
are all workers of miracles. See, sometimes we think, well, I'm not one of the leaders, or I'm not whatever position. It's still important, every single one of us who are here. Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you more ex- an excellent way. It's a solemn truth that one person's disobedience can cause the sorrow and failure of a whole nation, family, or church. We wonder why our family's suffering sometimes. Well, maybe if we looked inside, we'd see that it's a secret sin of our own. We wonder why our church is failing. It could be something in the church. I'm not saying that's always the case. Satan has ways of of making us doubt and question, but instead of looking at each other and saying, well, maybe they're sinning, no, we need to look at ourselves honestly. Our secret sin can can affect and maybe even infect an entire family, church, or this nation. We don't think it's possible, but it's possible. Look back in Joshua chapter 7, verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed from among you. Achan thought he could hide his sin, but God saw what he did. And because an accursed thing was in the camp, God could not dwell with his people. Verse 13, up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel, thou canst stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. If that's not a convicting statement, I don't know what is. We want victory in our lives. But God right there, thou canst stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. God hates sin. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and that shall be that the tribe which, listen to this description, we think we can hide, but no, look at what's happening here. Ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come by man, shall come man by man, and it shall be that He that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but God will narrow down on you. Your sin will be found out. So Joshua, in verse 15, rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of Zerites, and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. This is what caused their defeat. Listen, you need to be sure your sin will find you out. Satan wants you to think, well, nobody knows yet. Probably never will happen, but listen, God will find a way to hone in on it and expose it. Achan was discovered and his sin was exposed. Israel saw defeat. They had discouragement. Achan was discovered, and now there was destruction. I have sinned, confessed Achan, explaining how he saw, coveted, and took the spoils from Jericho. 
How many of us can say after they find out that we are willing to admit all of it? Yeah. Well, it's kind of too late at this point. If he had gone earlier on, like I said earlier, all things would have been very different. Right. You come to the altar tonight and say, Lord, here, here it is. And he's going he's gonna to do some things with you. You're going to see victories you never knew about. <laughs> but there could be some pain later on if, if you don't take care of it tonight. You don't heed the, the Lord tonight. You're only going to be more numb to it. I think of Lot when he sinned or chose to go to a place of sin. And look at what it did to his family later on when he let sin enter the family. You don't know how far sin will take you. When sin entered into this world, it was built into our very nature. That's part of who we are now. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. It's no different. Satan wants us to think, you know, what, what God said we can't touch. Well, surely he's, he's not wanting you to have something you deserve or, or he's keeping something good from you. But that is a protection for us. <laughs> we think, you know, when our parents say don't do this or don't, don't go there, we're thinking they're keeping us from something that we should be able to do. Our friends are doing it or, or I don't see anything wrong with it, but when God says don't, that's for our own good. <laughs> and I'm thankful for those boundaries and those protections. Joshua 7, verse 19, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus, and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and two hundred shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Undoubtedly, the members of his household knew about the loot and were sharing in his sin. They were falling right behind him. They could have said something and didn't. All of them had to be judged for their disobedience, so the people took them to the valley and stoned them. Look in verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep, his tents, and all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones. And they had raised him, oh, they had raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the valley of Achor unto this day. Achor sinned and his family followed him into sin. And there's a great responsibility being the head of a home. When we sin, whether we know it or not, our family will follow. God can take destruction and bring hope out of it, though. 
this may seem like a scary topic, but listen, there is always hope when God steps in and takes care of a sin. Achan, I, I, I think of it this way. That's the picture of somebody unsaved because there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So as an unsaved person here tonight, if, if that's you, God will find it out and, and the penalty is death and eternal fire. Whether you want to believe it or not, that's the, the penalty of that sin. So you have an opportunity tonight to come before it's exposed and say, Lord, here is everything I need you. He can take destruction. He can take the worst of us and bring us into hope and victory. That place, the Valley of Achor, which in the Hebrew means trouble, is still there in memory of the trouble Achan had brought to the people. In Hosea 2.15, it promises that God will make the Valley of Achor a door of hope for the Jews. So he took this valley where there was sin and made it a door of hope. It says, and I will give her vineyards from thence and the Valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Amen. Satan will bring along things pleasant to the eyes, but it will only lead to defeat. Right. You cannot look to Satan, but must look to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was, was victorious. Amen. Still is. If you don't know this, the Lord of hosts, the battle of Jericho, that was Jesus yeah. fighting that battle with them. <laughs> he's a warrior, and he's fighting spiritual battles with us left and right. If you act on the desires of your flesh and take what Satan has to offer, the defeat you ultimately will come to will only bring you to discouragement. But Jesus told us, he has overcome the world, and through him we may have peace. John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Hiding your sins will only lead to discovery. Satan wants you to doubt that fact, but it is fact. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him who, have ha who we have to do. He sees right into your very soul. Adam thought he could hide in the garden. God knew exactly where he was. Achan thought he could hide. Cain thought he could hide. He saw the whole thing, knew exactly what happened. God's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He knows, he knows everything. He's everywhere all at once. It's not like we can run and hide. No, he knows every single thing. And he's just waiting for us to come to him before it's too late. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. <laughs> See, there's hope in all of this. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, should, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you do not confess your sins and ask God's forgiveness, it will only lead to destruction. 
That's the last thing I want for you. And I'm pretty sure if you're sitting there right now and you're not saved, that's the last thing you want for yourself as well. But there's hope in Jesus. Matthew 7, 13, Enter ye, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Many unsaved people will enter in the wide gate. But you don't have to choose that gate. You can enter in the narrow one. Certainly Israel has been in the valley of trouble because of her rejection of Christ, but one day the nation will turn to him and find hope again. God has given each and every one of you a way of escape from destruction. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. We saw in Genesis 3, sin entered the world, but God, in that same exact chapter, gave a way of escape. He said, I'm going to send my son for you. I'm going to defeat Satan, <laughs> and your sin will be taken care of, and you'll be right in right standing, we'll be, we'll be together again forever. But that doesn't happen based on our good works, our good intentions. Sonia, if you could come play something softly for us. There's nothing that we can do to account for that. No, we have to come to God and confess our sins. Listen, Jesus is the only way of escape. That's our only option. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the question is today, if you're unsaved, would you